0: Welcome to to Proctocast where we bring you plain English interviews all about the most relevant procurement topics of the day in short, coffee-break-sized episodes. Because, hey, time's precious and you have got value to deliver. So now, let's get straight into this week's show.
1: Welcome to the latest Proctopus podcast. I'm Dave Jones. I'm one of your hosts and I'm joined today by Ollie Mountain, who's the second host today. And then we've got Jonathan Wood, who is the founder and managing director of C2 Cyber, which is a leading cybersecurity company. So before we kick off with today's podcast, I'm going to thank our sponsor, which is Contingent, um, contingent contingent.ai. They are a leading supplier insight platform who give the right supplier insights at the right time to make the right strategic choices to take action and collaborate within the business. So do reach out to them for more information on the great product that they're building. So let's get straight into it. So cybersecurity and the supply chain is today's topic, which is very relevant to all businesses and is of increasing importance. So Oli, why, um, why don't you jump in and start us off?
0: Hi Dave, thanks. So Jonathan, how did you get into cybersecurity?
2: <laughs> so I, um, I, I guess I'm of a certain age, so um, I kind of grew up with cybersecurity becoming more and more relevant. I remember my first computer weighed a lot uh, when I was a kid. And uh, and uh, we were just discussing. Now, new MacBooks don't weigh very much, and they're a bit quicker. But there's a lot more security involved. I was in the Navy uh, as an engineer for uh, just over 10 years, 12 years. And um, uh, a lot of that revolved around information security, uh, security of platforms and, and things, whether they were afloat or in um, Afghanistan places. and places. And a lot of that, is now under the banner of what we would call cybersecurity. lots of different disciplines under there. I did some time in in BT security as well helping government and private companies um, with uh, with their information assurance before I started uh, c2
0: great it sounds interesting's uh, gone from uh, armed forces to uh, to uh, sort of blue chip plc you know it sounds uh, it sounds great
2: and now i'm working on getting c2 to become uh, blue chip plc as well <laughs> That's
1: the aim, <laughs> very good. you heard it. you heard it here first get your um get yeah, your shares five year plan get your shares now so what why why should procurement people and businesses generally matter um care about cybersecurity risk um let's say there's a business they've been established for ten years um they've never had a problem in their supply chain um so why should they care about it so i i I think the
2: first, the first thing to understand is what sort of business it is, if it's B2B or B2C, um, who, are the, who are their customers, what sort of data do they own, and therefore what sort of risks are they running on behalf of the people that they supply. So, if you're a, a consumer-facing business, you've probably got quite a lot of personally identifiable information. If you're a fashion house, you might literally know the inside leg measurement of your customers. If you're a a mobile phone provider, you've got everybody's credit card details, and you run direct debits. You've got their home addresses, and and if you're um, a telco, if you're a telephone provider, you can see all of their internet traffic. So these are quite sensitive things, and. And, and the key test is if that information escaped into the wild, would it would it harm our reputation? Uh, would it harm our customers? And uh, by extension, it will harm your share price and therefore your shareholders will be upset with you as well. So, we've got quite a few examples in recent history of where security in the supply chain has, uh, has caused a, a decrease in share price. So, we've had Maersk, uh, which was the Not Petty virus that turned into WannaCry. And that was actually through a, an accountancy firm in Ukraine. Mm. They brought the ransomware in, It then went all the way around inside Mesk. But to your point, Dave, that's a company, great standing. It's really old. They're really well run. They know exactly what they're doing in their business. But They had this weak underbelly, which was a supplier who suffered a ransomware attack, and it transmitted, because they trusted them so much and they never checked, all the way through Vesk internally. We've had British Airways a couple of times in the last few years uh, with credit card details and things. um, And and that was a supplier as well, from my understanding. Most recently, in November, December, we had Spar, the convenience stores, where their EPOS terminals, their point-of-sale terminals, were all locked up. They could only take cash for weeks in these bar uh, shops. And that was a third party. That was a supplier. That wasn't spar themselves. They contracted that out to a third-party card acquiring service, and, and they, they were attacked, and they lost their service. So, um, so that affected their business in a material way. They couldn't take cards. There are reasons to look at your supply chain um, and, and make
1: sure that it's secure. Amazing and supply chains are getting more and more, um, more and more complicated today, aren't they? So if you think about it, you know, back in the day you might have one or two tiers um, to be mindful of. Now you've got four plus, yeah, uh, absolutely. Involved. So how do you, um, how do you recommend um, procurement teams start the balance of understanding well, the supply chain and the multiple layers?
2: So often they've got uh, some uh, primes, as I would call them, prime contractors, that have got lots Mm -hmm. of subcontractors working for them. Um, So your third party is the prime, Uh, and they might be really swept up. They might have an information security department. They'll they'll assess all of those sorts of things internally. They'll have ISO accreditations. But where that data goes from the prime, do they subcontract it out? Do they offshore it? Do they rely on independent consultants with unmanaged IT that nobody can see, but in order to deliver the thing they're contracted to do, they've got to have a data set, uh, for Mm -hmm. example. And so that data set's now sat on a MacBook Air, traveling around in London with no security on it. It's a singleton consultant, and that's a risk. So how does the prime assess that fourth party? If the independent consultant uses G Suite um, or Microsoft, uh, other platforms are available, then... Uh, is that secure? Have they secured it sufficiently to the standards of the ultimate customer that's at the top being serviced by the prime? You've got to check that. We, we had quite a useful rule of thumb where, where I used to work, which is that they would keep going down the supply chain until the data being processed could no longer be identified as theirs.
1: Okay. So That's good advice. Yeah.
2: So if they were delivering photocopy of paper, people didn't worry about it. But if they were delivering that paper to a sensitive site, the address was sensitive, then they still worried about the photocopy pro, uh, paper provider, so so they would go all the way down until they got to that point.
1: Interesting, interesting. Ollie do you do you want to delve into this this topic from your your perspective? What would you like to know about it?
0: Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because obviously a lot of tier ones may be sort of medium enterprises, you know, large enterprises, for example. But where you have a niche supplier, for example, to, to a business, right? and I've got a great one where I used to work for a very large-scale retailer, and they had a niche supplier that was for people, right? and they were brilliant at what they were doing. But obviously, cybersecurity, information assurance, that doesn't... You know, it's not really in the sphere in terms of four people in vans repairing coffee machines, for example, right? It, it it's where, you know, where you have small suppliers who are niche up to the very big. Where do you start really with educating supply chain on cybersecurity and? And sort of the key areas where they need to look at.
2: So we we approach this as um, you need to decide what your own risk appetite is first. So uh, if you're B2C, then you worry about different things than if you're B2B or or, or, uh, business to government. So you figure out what it is you you need to worry about. Where are your information assets or rather um, not where they are, but what are they? So you might find that they're in all sorts of places you weren't expecting. And uh, we ran an exercise with a large retailer in 2017, 2018, and discovered that suppliers had many relationships with the retailer in question. And each program sponsor inside the retailer only knew about their relationship. So it was just as important to go to the supplier and say, what do you do for us? Because the answer might surprise you. You might find they've got 15 contracts with different depots and different departments and marketing and and all this stuff, particularly when it comes to consultancy houses that run on projects, and secondly, um, the big accounting firms who might deliver employee payroll services on one side and then audit on the other. Um, and different different things. Um, one's got employee PII, one is audit. But uh, you need to look at those separately. So look at those projects separately. Don't just look at the entity, the, the, the big four accounting firm, just bunging them into a platform to ask whether they've got an email security certificate doesn't help. You need to look at the project they're delivering. And if they're delivering 15 projects with different risks you need to look at all of them, or, or you only need to look at the ones that exceed your risk appetite. So we, we would approach it like that. Uh, but we don't think that just assessing the legal entity supplying you is sufficient. And your example of four, your four-man consultancy, uh, your four-man um, house, even if they cease working for you, they've still got your data. So unless you've verified that they no longer hold it, um, where these consultancies run lots of projects, sequentially or concurrently, they've got more of your data than you think. These employee payroll places will keep it for six or seven years just in case they're audited. Um, So even after you stop paying them, you need to test them.
0: I think that's a really good point. And I think also, where would suppliers go to sort of start this sort of cybersecurity journey? cuz well I'm aware of a few places but um I am intrigued as to whether clients you know um, clients or you know the, the the major the major client have started educating their supply chain on this
2: so so uh, our our best clients in in my business view this whole exercise as collaborative so if you assume that uh, cybersecurity is a journey and everyone's on it and nobody is perfect then Uh, actually uh, our clients want to make sure that their supply chain is safe um, and and by extension their data. So we do some education pieces, but we also give them actionable recommendations after we've assessed them. So rather than just giving them a 90-page PDF that says you're not very good at that, we'll we'll give them a load of ways to improve and links to the things they need. So a banal example, you don't have two-factor authentication, and they say, yes, that's right, we don't need to use that please turn it on. And if they're the four-man consultancy house and they're not IT people, they're going to come back with a, how would you do that? And so a bit of handholding will markedly improve the supply chain security of your business. And and that stuff uh, repeats. You generate goodwill and the smaller suppliers are, are getting some uh, essentially free consultancy uh, is one way to look at it. But uh, our best clients view it as money well spent, really, that they, they get safer.
1: Great. Thank you. thanks for that, Jonathan. So let's let's move on to the next question now. So Ollie, you were gonna you were gonna ask the next one. Yeah. Obviously with
0: you know, we've had some great, you know, sort of apocalyptic type events over the last sort of three or four years with coronavirus and uh et cetera. Obviously, the, the sort of impact of some of the geopolitical risks that are going on at the moment, in particular with what's happening, you know, in terms of Ukraine. Is there any sort of additional risks that are coming out into the cyber security arena as a result of the sort of geopolitical landscape at the moment?
2: Um, so I I know a lot of really, really good software houses, outsourcing um, places, development houses in Ukraine, uh, who have all moved or, or variously are continuing to deliver for their customers, actually. Uh, fellow CEOs of mine running startups and so on rely on, on the expertise in, in place and they're really good at it. There is a challenge in cyber, which is that, uh, light travels at three times 10 to the 8 meters a second, right? So I go around the Earth in not very long at all down that fiber optic pipe, which means that geography is essentially irrelevant in cybersecurity. It doesn't really matter where the server is. It matters who's got physical control over it, I think. But the um, but the, the whole landscape, everything is so close together in, in the information world that one minor change by one of the protagonists in that Fight um, could affect everybody, and, and I don't think we've seen much of it yet. I know the UK government's been uh, advising on on ways to harden services and and uh, and platforms to make you safer, but I, I don't. We, we've not seen anything that's come out into the light, at least um, in the cyber war that's undoubtedly going on in the background between the major powers. Uh, so I don't think we've seen much of that yet. Uh, It does worry a bit. uh, 18 18 months ago, everything in coronavirus seems to have shrunk in time. So I'm not quite sure whether it was six months ago or 18, to be honest. But there was a a water treatment plant in Florida that had, um, in order to combat the effects of COVID and not having workers on site, had used TeamViewer, the remote um, uh, PC management software, to operate their systems in water treatment plants. And somebody had logged into it remotely without authorization and changed all the dials um, to put more chemicals in the water, which would have killed everyone in the town that the water treatment plant supplied. It was only because one of the engineers happened to be looking at it at the time that he stopped that happening. Uh, and that was quite a sobering moment for the critical national infrastructure because everything is now controlled by by IP addresses and the internet. And with 5G, that's only going to get more widespread that 's going to mean that every every lamppost is individually addressable rather than just the whole street and um, and, and i 'm not sure people think about that enough we've got some great people thinking about it in the u k but look at all the stuff around people leaving passwords as admin admin and baby toys where someone hacks into the baby toy and starts swearing at your toddler that that's that 's um not funny if you're if you own the toy but but it, it it didn't kill anyone. Some of these things can kill people, and so that sort of level of security and assurance is really important.
1: No, that's a really great point. Thanks, thanks. So with, though so it's a really key, really key issue. I've always been, I've always been really passionate about it. As you know, as you know, what what should procurement teams do differently to educate themselves? And, um, and tackle this issue because I, I think we've got a great opportunity because we're at the centre of the spider's web of an organisation. Typically, we're the only function that sits right in the middle. So, what what can we do differently?
2: And you spend all the money, right, don't So yeah.
1: money, but yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, so, so, good question. Uh, I think that there's a responsibility to be at least aware of the impact that not not addressing it could have. Um, mm-hmm. So. Procurement people don't need to be cybersecurity experts. They need to be intelligent customers of the ones they've already got. So uh, if you're a smaller business, buy in a managed service for supply chain security. I run one. Many others are available. But talk to them, ask them questions. Don't try to do it yourself would be my suggestion. If you run an organization that procures a lot of things – then vendor risk management is arguably not your area of specialization. You're either supplying luxury fashion or food and and veg and and, and so on. But um, try try to do that with a team that knows what they're doing or stand your own up but take advice while you're doing it. And it is a key function inside procurement. So I remember when we worked on projects together, uh, we were all quite tightly integrated. and. Um, and the key thing there was that they weren't sat in a different room. There wasn't a door in the way. All the category managers were working with the information assurance professionals to ask the right questions of their suppliers. And we were doing that manually, and it was a bit slower. Things are getting automated now, um, yes. and 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 the consultancies are using more tools, and and that's good. That that lowers the cost for the for deploying these things. It lowers the barrier to entry. Smaller organisations can. Use these things to make their supply chain safer. But the procurement person, if they if they own the risk, if they're supplying something to the risk owner, the CFO or the CIO or similar, this needs to be an integral part of. If we buy this service, we're not going to lose our data
1: or lose control I of it. Yeah, agree. And I think my 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 own learning is the cross, the cross functional team thing, and not you know not working in silos. When I've when I've run these. Projects previously and worked with yourself, Jonathan, and other people like you. It's having that infosec person with the category team, and let's not forget Phil, our lawyer, um, having us all um, having unforgettable, us all in, having us all in one team. Um, and that was GDPR,
2: right? Um, that was pre pre GDPR, pre Data Protection Act, and we were on the front foot getting ready for it, which is which is excellent. Um, but there are still people catching up, right? Some work to do, but there's an awful lot of capable people and there's a lot of experiences now of getting it right and so yeah. you don't have to
1: learn them yourself and automation is key as well i'm sure a lot of them, i'm sure a lot yeah. of it's gone into the automation of it ollie do you want to do you want to come in on this on this point
0: yeah i think it i think it's good that the sort of industry's moving and 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 procurements knowledge you know on this subject matter is is obviously increasing particularly in the last sort of 5 6 years which is fantastic um information assurance and supplier assurance is you know and tprm so third party risk management has really sort of come to the fore really in the last sort of 5 6 years and particularly very important in the last 3 years really in terms of how how things are moving I, I still think the sort of the, the point I would sort of want to ask, really, I suppose, is, is is how much sort of clients are investing in educating their supply chain because obviously they're the the largest source of risk, right? From you know what we've been talking about, and you know from the very very small to the very large, you know they they all pose different levels of risk to a client. And um I think it's I think it's important that obviously where you have a sort of diverse supply chain, so from the very small to the very large, it's important that the clients invest in that sort of supplier development, supplier engagement process yeah. to, to sort of help, you know, suppliers and and particularly sort of the, the sort of the SME side because there's some fantastic suppliers in the SME angle, but it's just this type of stuff is just not in their sphere of knowledge, really.
2: No, and, and it is a hurdle, especially if you're a smaller organization and you don't have a CISO or a CIO to lean on. That's not really what you want to talk about in the pub. So it's, um, uh, it's something where you need to access resources. Um, if I could do a quick plug for uh, the National Cybersecurity Center has got some really good resources on its website. When uh, Dave and I were working together, I did the SIPS modules because um, I was constantly asked to go and do the SIPS modules. So I did those, and they were excellent as well. And I suspect a couple of years later, uh, they've got better. Uh, I I would say that one of the things I've experienced in the enterprise is, uh, rather than smaller clients, is, is the enterprise supply chains, the decision on who to use can be devolved to quite a low level in the enterprise. It's not the CFO of a FTSE 100 that decides who to use. They just set the budget. And so a key area for education, training, and awareness around information assurance and security, supply chain security, is your own employees. Um, So whoever's got the ability to uh, at least recommend an award, if not make it, of a contract should be asking these questions. And and so there's an internal job to do just as well as the suppliers, But just my view.
0: No, that's great. And uh, I have to say, I totally agree with what you're saying. So it's fantastic to hear it as well. So um, I suppose uh, one last question, a bit of a killer one is, what other question do you wish we'd ask you, Jonathan?
2: So I I guess there's two things I I would ask. One is... Whatever validation process or assurance process you've got in place, does it have enough of a live component around open source intelligence, breaches, issues that affect your supplier? So don't just test them once for supply chain security when you award the five-year contract because 59 months later, you might find out they had a breach halfway through and you weren't looking. So make sure that if you do have people – using your data, that you're testing them more regularly, proportionate to risk. So don't spend all your money on the top 10. If you've got 25 high-risk suppliers, make sure that you build the system right. Again, that's something we do, and there are lots of other people in the market doing that. And very fashionably at the moment uh, is uh, ESG, environmental, social, and governance. It isn't just a fashion. It's actually quite a useful way of measuring the behavior of a business that you're proposing to work with or pay money as, uh, as a customer, as a supplier of yours. And so we, um, we're wrapping information assurance into the G components of ESG. But the environmental and social side, very important. People are choosing their suppliers. Consumers are choosing which organizations to buy products from based on their perception of the ESG credentials of that brand. And that's only as good as your supply chain. So if you can't test that in your supply chain, you're just talking about your corporate head office. And uh, and so it's quite important to look at the ESG credentials of your supply chain as well. That, that that's another one that I would probably focus on.
1: Great, thank you very much. Well, that's been a really useful tour through all things. Cybersecurity. security so how how do people find you jonathan if they want to catch up what's your um, what's your company's name etc i'm
2: on linkedin uh, my company's name is c2 cyber and uh, my email address is uh, jonathan.wood at c2 cyber.com Um delighted to fill calls or um, uh, dave if anyone uh, wants to meet for a coffee. I'm really enjoying actually now being back in London properly. I know lots of people like working from home, but but I'm I'm getting quite over caffeinated meeting lots of people I've just been talking to on TV for the last 2 years. So, uh, if you're in London, don't be shy.
1: Um, coffee's always on. Excellent. Good stuff. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you to Ollie for being um, a great host and um, and thank you to Contingent, the supplier insight platform, their really kind sponsorship.